help me welcome Les Garrett. First of all, I'd like us to look tonight at some scriptures in the book of Acts relating to the Word of God. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, it says the Word of God increased. In Acts 12 and 24, it says, but the Word of God grew and multiplied. In Acts 13 and verses 49, it says the Word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. And Acts 19 and verse 20 says, so mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. Amen? The Word of God is important. And then, of course, we find that there's power connected with God's Word. It says in Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what we need to realize as we approach God's Word is that God links power to the Word of God. Jesus said, you don't know the Scriptures nor the power of God. There's a power that comes with the Word of God. Do you believe that? And Bible talks about a people in the last days in 2 Timothy 3.5. They'll have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. When Jesus said in his temptation, get there behind me, Satan, the Bible says he returned in the power of the Spirit. And in the same chapter, the Bible says his word was with power. The Bible declares that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And part of that power is associated with the Word of God because the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth. And the Bible declares in Proverbs 1.23 that I will, I will pour out my Spirit unto you and I will make known my words unto you. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. And also the Bible says you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What is the fire? The Bible interprets it for us. Jeremiah 5.14 I'll make my words in thy mouth fire. The Bible says in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, His word was in my heart as a burning fire. The Bible says again in Jeremiah 23, 29, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. So it's obviously when we receive the Holy Spirit, God wants us to give greater attention to His word. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Apostle Paul saying that the Word of God is the power of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 6.7, By the Word of truth, by the power of God. And that's just a few. But I hope you get the message that the Word of God is powerful. And that verse in Hebrews 4.12 is very important. The Word of God is quick and powerful. We need to respect God's Word we need to come, God, come to God's Word recognizing that power. Amen. And having respect for the Word of God. Napoleon, great world conqueror, but I have about four or five statements he made in the last few weeks of his life, and they're rather interesting. And I want to just give you one of them. <clears throat> and it's a pity that Christians didn't say what he said about the Word of God. He said that the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with power that would conquer all that would try to oppose it. And we're talking about a world dictator 
that tried to conquer the world. And he found out that the word of God was powerful. But I'm telling you the truth. That when the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, it is powerful. And we need to have respect for God's word. Amen. And so Napoleon, you just got to think about what he said. The Bible's no mere book. In the Old Testament, when one of the priests and scribes found the word of God after it had been lost for a while, the, the, the priest said, we found a book, a book. But when the scribe took it to the king, he said, we have found the book. There's no other book like the Bible. Amen. And so Napoleon said, the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with power. And I'm telling you, we've got to realize that the word of God's got power in it that would conquer all that would oppose it. I talked to a man recently while I've just been doing the meetings with a prophecy club, and he said that someone said to him in leadership in the church, you need to be careful you don't worship the Bible. But I'd like to just quote Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Some of you may know him. Great preacher. And he said of the Bible, The Bible is God's word. And when I see it, I seem to hear a voice saying, I am the book of God. Man, read me. I am God's writing. Open my leaves, for I was penned by God. I plead with you. I beg of you, respect your Bibles and search them out. Go home and read your Bibles. O book of books, and wast thou written by my God? Then I'll bow before thee, thou book of vast authority, for he has written this book himself. Let us love it. Let us count it more precious than fine gold. And if you think Spurgeon's a little strong there, saying, I'll bow before thee, thou book of vast authority. Psalm 138 verses 2 says, Thou hast magnified thy word. You'll notice there's a, a magnifying glass on here on the Bible. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Psalm 56, 4, and God will I praise his word. Psalm 56, 10, and God will I praise his word. And the Lord will I praise his word. We need to have respect for the Bible. Amen. And what I want us to do is, first of all, is I want us to go through church history and just see quickly how the Bible has been kept. Because preservation or sorry, inspiration without preservation is useless. God inspired all Scripture, and also God preserved the Word of God. For almost 1,800 years, the church accepted the received text. The apostolic church, you can see from the writings of the early church fathers, that the apostolic church, this is over Dean Bergen put together, 86,000 quotations from the early church fathers, which I've seen in the British Museum, in 16 volumes, which he meant to be published. And I, I, I've got access to some of his quotes because I read all his writings. And I found that he quotes over 2,600, 2, over 2,600 early church fathers uh, that quoted the Bible in their letters and in their writings. And they're going to, they quote the received text. Now, when I talk about the received text tonight, I'm talking about the text that you're going to see that doesn't delete the things from the Word of God and doesn't change the things that we're going to see. And so a good majority of the church fathers quoted the received text. The church in Palestine used it. 
the Syrian church at Antioch used it. And of course, Antioch is interesting because they were first called Christians at Antioch. Antioch was, there was the school of Antioch, Excitepi Britannica tells us, which was opposed to the school of Alexandria. Excitepi Britannica tells us that the school of Antioch took the literal interpretation of the Bible and maintained the purity of the Bible. The Church of Alexandria joined Greek philosophy with their interpretation of the Bible. And that's where we got the problem. The Syriac version, the Italic Church in Northern Italy, which we'll show you, the Church in Southern France, the Church in Great Britain, the Church in Scotland and Ireland, the pre-Waldenese Church, the Waldenese, Martin Luther said 120 years after Christ, they had the received text right back to the originals. The Byzantine period, 312 to 1543 in the Greek church, and it still does use the, the received text. The Gothic version of the 4th century, uh, which goes back uh, 350 years after Christ or more, the Codex W of all the, in all the Gospels of Matthew in the 4th century. And then, of course, all the churches of the Reformation, which we have some of their Bibles here, use this text the Spanish version, the, the Czech version, the Italian version, and of course the King James Bible of 1611, and it's still used in 1998. Amen? And I want to show you some of these, some of these manuscripts as we go through here. It's rather interesting, just a couple I'll put on for the start. These will be, these are about, they're a bit light, but these are uh, 60 years after Christ, and it's got Matthew 26, 22, and this is, the received text. And this is some of the oldest manuscript that you'll see. So the received text goes back a long, long way. Here's some other manuscripts that have the received text that go back to about the same time, 60 years after Christ. And here's another, another one. There's about five pieces of these. And this is papyrus. This was written. This, this was made out of grass. And the Bible says the papyrus will fade away, but the word of the Lord will abide forever. Amen. And then we've got the Gothic Gospel. I want to show you some of these very quickly. The Gothic, Gothic Gospel is very interesting because it goes back to 350 years after Christ and it was still the received text. West Cotton Hort told us that 400 years after Christ, that's when all the things were added to the Bible. And before that, they had the Alexandrian text that was used. Well, that's not the case. There's been too many manuscripts now that have been found that go beyond that period. And as one great scholar said, if the Gothic gospel goes to 350 years after Christ, some of the original ones, this one is a little later, the one I've got a copy of here, well, then they took that from an original. And so therefore, it goes back even further than that. Uh, Sidney Collett, who worked with uh, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and was a great Bible teacher. He did a series of meetings in East London in 1904 called The Scripture of Truth. And uh, it was published in a book in 1905. And I haven't been able to get it anywhere, but I did pick up an old copy from an antique bookshop when I was in England. And it's a very interesting because he speaks of the dangers of the West Cotton Hort text in 1905, shortly after it came out. But Sidney Collett said something interesting about the Church Fathers going back a bit. He said there are so many accurate and voluminous quotations from the scriptures in the writing of the early fathers dating from the 2nd to the 5th century that has been actually proved that from these writings alone, without any other assistance, the whole of the New Testament could be reproduced in the received text. So carefully has our Heavenly Father guarded the book He has given to the children of men. 
And Sidney Collett had a very close friend. He was a friend of E.J. Poole, who took over Spurgeon's church after Charles Haddon Spurgeon died. And Sidney Collett had tremendous influence on Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And here we've got the old Latin gospel, which was carefully kept by the Waldenese. And the interesting thing is about this, you know, I, I'm saying I want to be able to minister to you in love. And I don't want you to see a critical spirit coming from me. And some people don't know things, so they need to be told. But James White in his book, The King James Only Controversy, makes a statement that if you put ten people in one room and got them all to copy the first five chapters of, uh, of John, that all, everyone would have a different version. Everyone would be, uh, have disagreements with each other. And uh, we mustn't approach the word of God like that. Amen. I mean, all the way through has about 20 extracts as basic errors that men make. Uh, it says that there's not a, there's not a, he says there's not a single handwritten manuscript of the Bible in the Greek or Hebrew that does not contain somewhere error, oversight, mistake. To err is human. And he goes through and in 20 times in that book he talks about how the scribes made mistakes. I'm telling you that God preserved his word. If we think that this was the case, uh, like Spurgeon said, he talks about this article. And this article he quotes, Almost all writers, this person back in Spurgeon's time says the same thing, now recognize the human element in the Bible. And see that this brings in human infirmity in matters of details. We had a letter from a friend the other day, and there were several mistakes of spelling it. But the letter quite fully conveyed to us our friend's thought. And that's what they're saying today. doesn't matter about the things that are left out of the Bible, it still conveys God's thought. And if there are some inaccuracies and even some mistakes in the Bible, it carries to us nevertheless the mind and will of God. A lamp may give light to the feet on a dark night, even if the tin is a little bent in and one of the panes is cracked. Spurgeon's answer to this is, are they going to teach that the Bible is like an old cracked lantern? To This will call attention of those who are charged with the, the literature. Surely there are members of the committee who cannot allow such teachings to pass unchallenged. We cannot be like that. And I, and I tell you something, the Word of God wasn't like that because the Wallonese were persecuted by the Catholic Church. They hid up in the mountains. They kept the received text. And Martin Luther said, when he did, he said, you can take the text of the Wallonese and you can take the text from the, from the Greek Church, the, the Byzantine period. Think about this. Hundreds of miles separated, texts copied for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so faithfully were those texts copied that Martin Luther said they agree. It is the received text. There's nothing left out. The word of God has been kept for all of those years. And it's interesting to notice this, this Waldenese Latin text because it's Mark 16, verses 16 to 20, which is the part that's taken out by Westcott and Hort. All what you see in this page is not in a lot of the new Bibles. That's what they take out, the last part of Mark 16. And then there's the Anglo-Saxon. I'll go quickly through these, but that's the that's the early English Bible, 700. This particular one is 1,000 years after Christ, and that was still the received text. The Wycliffe's Bible was the, was, uh, was the Latin Vulgate, and that was, the, that was the first time people began to get a Bible in their hands. And that, sure, it wasn't the received text, but I tell you what, I've done a check on the Latin Vulgate and it doesn't have anywhere near the amount of omissions that the text that Westcott and Hort created. Tyndall's New Testament was the first Bible that was printed in 1534. It's the received text. And there's others. I don't need to show them all. But there's many, many others. The Matthew's Bible, the Great Bible, and the Geneva Bible. 
which I have a copy of. That's the received text. That large marginal references in that particular Bible. And so right through. So that, that brings us to an interesting point. And that is this, that for 1,800 years, the church had the received text. All the Bibles of the Reformation were from that text. And the, what I'm talking about tonight is when I start to show you the deletions, you can be sure that the Bible for all that time did not have these deletions that we are going to talk about tonight. Amen? So up until 1881, not really a big problem. But in 1881, West Cotton Hort took manuscripts from Alexandria in Egypt, and they also took Codex Zynaticus, which we'll put on here now, Codex Zynaticus, and they also took Codex Monaticus, which leaves out the beginning of the Bible, first chapter in Genesis, a good many verses, the middle of the Bible, from around about Psalm 106 to 138, and it leaves out the last part of the Bible in, uh, right through in... Um, uh, the last, all of the whole of the book of Revelation. That, that particular manuscript came from the Catholic Church. So, but they instead took Alexandrian text and these two manuscripts to change the Bible. And we'll see in a moment what that did to the Word of God. E.W. Corwell, preeminent North American textual scholar and past president of the University of Chicago, said that the text that West Cottonhawk constructed is not reconstructed, but constructed. I want you to listen to this. It's an artificial entity that never existed. That never existed. R.L. Dabney, you may not have heard of him. He lived at the time of West Cotton Hort in America. <clears throat> when I, was, I went through, uh, I managed to get Southern Presbyterian Review in uh, 1881. All well, I got them right through from 1871 to about 1890. The old Presbyterian review. R.L. Dabney was a Presbyterian, but many of the theologians of the world considered him as one of the best theologians in America, if not the world. And R.L. Dabney wrote a thesis, which you'll find in my book, against the West Cotton Hort text the very year it came out. But this is what he said. He said, West Cotton Hort proceed to construct a text just as though it never existed. The same as E.W. Corwell, even though they lived hundreds of years apart. John Bergen, prominent Greek textual scholar and an Anglican said, For the Greek text which they have invented proves to be hopelessly depraved throughout. It was deliberately invented. The underlying Greek is an entirely new Greek text. Who will venture to predict the amount of mischief which must follow if this new Greek text should become used? All these men are saying the same thing. Sidney Collett, who worked with, uh, was in Charles Haddon Spurgeon's church when he did the Scripture of Truth, said, West Cotton Hort, being unable, unable to reconcile certain parts of Scripture with their own idea of what inspired writings ought to be, even when no question is raised as to the accuracy of existing documents, would nevertheless strike out such passages as uninspired leaving us nothing but a fragmentary Bible which might suitably be entitled The Book of God, Revised and Improved by Man. Now the words he uses, the invention of man, is exactly the words that Spurgeon used. The Book of God, Revised and Improved with Man. I want you to notice what Sidney Collett said. He said, they leave us with a fragmentary Bible. When the NIV first came out, I... 
went, I wish I'd kept that particular copy actually. I wish I'd bought it and kept it. But when it first came out in the bookshops, I wanted to check it out, so, and then I bought a cheaper paperback because I didn't want to buy this expensive one. But when I picked it up, this is the actual words that said on the back, and I wish I'd kept it so you could see it today. It said, as you pick up this Bible, you will feel the difference. As you pick up this Bible, you will feel the difference. Now that, of course, can really apply, you know, really appeal to your psychic. Yeah, I can feel the difference. But, you know, but it's a fragmentary Bible, Sidney Collett said who went to Spurgeon's church, and you know he's not far wrong. Because if you put the NIV in a word processor and do a word count, and then put the KJV or the authorized Bible in there, you'll find that the, uh, authorized, the NIV has 64,098 less words. 64,000 less words. Jesus said in Matthew, my words will never pass away. The words I speak. And yet in these new Bibles, they take out over 650 of the words of Jesus if you can compare it with a red-letter Bible, where all the words of Jesus in red is over 650 of his words gone from Scripture. And so, yes, it is a fragmentary Bible. And yes, when you pick it up, you will feel the difference because it probably could be lighter. It will certainly take you less time to read. If you were to put all those 60, over 64,000 words together in one place, that would take you from the middle of Acts to the end of the book of Revelation. That's how much would be taken out of your Bible. From the, that's if you put it all together, you understand? From the middle of Acts to the end of the book of Revelation. I want to show you something very interesting here. Um, Madden Blavatsky, who I'm probably putting the horse a bit before the cart, but she had a lot to do with West Cotton Hort. And I, since I've been in this country, I found out something very interesting. She said, the King James Version, as it's translated, has no resemblance whatsoever to the originals. And she calls the originals the Alexandrian text. The reason the occult, if you look at a, exactly Peter, it says, Mother, Blas Mother Blasky is the, uh, the mistress of the New Age movement and the mother of modern occultism. And, uh, and she, the, the Alexandrian text, as we'll see tonight, favors New Age teaching. It favours occult teaching and many of the changes that it makes in the text because Oregon and others who were down there in Egypt changing the Bible were changing it to, seek, seek, to suit Greek philosophy. And therefore, they were taking things out of the Bible to suit their doctrine. They, I could give you a list of things that Oregon believed in, like the pre-existence of souls and, and reincarnation and all of this sort of stuff. So they changed the Bible to suit that New Age teaching. But... Some of you may have heard of Gail Ritmlinger, and when I was doing my research, I, uh, I went in and got, because the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, I got Secret Doctrine, Volume 1 and 2, and Isis Unveiled, Volume 1 and 2. And, and I did share some stuff with Gail, and she said, I didn't see that. And she said, I didn't see it so many times. I thought, how did, how did she not see that? What I'm going to put on here now, she didn't see. She didn't see that. The Codex Anaticus and the Codex Alexandria, and in that there, that's re reproduced from the originals in, in, in the British Museum, but that's from uh, Isis Unveiled. And I couldn't work out why she wouldn't see that, because she was recommending uh, and saying how great it was that West Cotton Hort were using this text. And uh, I, so I've been to a book, two bookshops since I've been here, one new bookshop and a library, and I, got, and I looked at the Isis Unveiled Volume 1 and 2, and it, these things aren't in there. The later versions, it's been taken out. 
and some other quotes that she makes about West Cotton Hort. And I find that rather interesting. I've only found this out the last couple of weeks. Now I know why she didn't see it, because it wasn't in her copy. This is not in her copy. When I went to get my copy, I'm very friendly with the libraries. I'm always going in there, and one lady knows me real well. And I said, I want Isis Unveiled Volume 1 and 2. She said, they're all out. We've got none in the library. And I said, well, I'm going away. I want to try and look through it. She said, she said, Les, I'll tell you what, just for you, she said, I'll pull a real old copy out of the archives. So she pulled an old copy out of the archives for me, and this is in there. And this is Codex Anaticus and Codex Alexandria, and this, she is saying that in the Alexandrian text we have the Bible in truth. I don't take that very highly from an occult woman. There was one of the most powerful witches that ever lived, and if you talk to witches, they'll tell you that uh, a lot of witches, Rebecca Brown, others tell you that they, they can have other translations, but they're not allowed to have the authorized Bible, the King James Version. They don't have that. So she's recommending this particular text that uh, West Cottonhort used. Um, and so that's when the trouble started, you see. That's when all these deletions took place uh, from the precious word of God. And they took these manuscripts. Now, uh, what did these fellas look like? Well, we can put them up here just a little bit. Um, this is uh, Hort, and this is Westcott, and then, of course, Man Blavatsky will bring her in a little bit later. I don't think we can fit her in through there. We can bring her up the side there like that. I'm going to interrupt right there, but I encourage you to get this offer. Probably the most important thing to make certain that we do not fall away and take the mark of the beast is the fact that we know our God and we know his word. And if we're off reading the wrong version that has been corrupted, how can we stand? Brothers and sisters, we've got to stand. And that is why it's important to have the King James Version and have enough information to where you can convince others to turn away from things that are corrupted. That's the reason I recommend you get the King James gift offer. It's four titles, six discs, valued at $130 for a gift of just $35. That's right. Four titles, six discs, valued at $130 for a gift of $35 at prophecyclub.com. The King James gift offer, $35 at prophecyclub.com. Make certain you can give an answer when someone comes asking you questions about what Bible October you 4, 5, and 6, it's the Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. Friday evening, 6.30, I'll speak on my seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials chart. Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I'll speak on my Feast and Revelation Prophecies chart. Saturday evening, 5 p.m., Leslie will speak on the Kundalini Spirit. Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'll take half the time with Miss the Mark, my new book, and Leslie will take the rest of it. As you know, I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. I want you to come so I can lay hands on you and anoint you for you to receive two anointings. The spirit of revelation as I received it when I memorized the book of Revelation. Two, to work in sevenfold miracles when the judgment arrives. The room only holds 350 people, and the church is probably going to take from 100 to 150 of them, so it will fill quickly. I suggest you do the $25 registration quickly at endtimesconference.com. $25 registration at endtimesconference.com, October 4, 5, and 6, Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. See you there! In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. God showed me a single word, first fruits, is a secret door found in Revelation and Leviticus. When linked together, the end time events can be placed in chronological order. 
For the first time, we can know what feast Jesus returns on, the feast for the judgment seat of Christ on the great white throne, and the feast upon which the wheat is resurrected, and on the day the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. And even though I've been in Bible prophecy for 40 years, I freely admit to you that I knew nothing that is revealed in this book supernaturally. So you probably know nothing that is in this book. One prophetic word said, There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open unto you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Don't get one for $20. Instead, get five for 30 or 10 for 55 Or a new case price, 60 books for $250. That's 60 books in a case for $250. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings and soon over 300 without interruption. Most people would agree 300 titles, normally $30 each, a gift of $100 a month would be reasonable, $50 a pretty good deal, but the introductory rate for a limited time is just $20 recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. There's no contract. You can cancel any time you want to, and you get the first three days free just to check it out. The best deal is a yearly subscription that'll lock in your rate for a year even when we raise the rates. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com. 